Welcome to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Good morning, dear everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm very glad, you know, to be alive and well this morning and so glad to find you again. And I thank you uh, for welcoming me into your space. I'm always amazed every week uh, that I uh, can do this um, to be with you in your private space. And and this show, um, both the question that lies at the heart of it and the format uh, in which I do it, I, I think goes against what is now conventional wisdom for how to brand oneself and how to make oneself popular, you know, in in social media. What, what do I mean by that? You know, well, first, um, the question that I ask, what does it mean to be human, is a question that deprives you of an easy, immediate answer. Believe me, many people have spurned my invitation to engage in it, and many more have derided me for asking such a broad, obtuse, abstract, sometimes they call it intellectual question or philosophical question. Um, And then, you know, if you choose to indulge me and engage in the question, you have to think about yourself about your own life. You have to return, if you want to really engage in that question, you have to return to what you know, what you have experienced. You have to go back to how you have lived, what you have seen and learned of how human lives unfold around you in the process of formulating some answer to this question of mine. And in, 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 in grabbing for some answer to this question, at least to the way that I have been trying to pose it on this show, you cannot but let yourself go back to how you have lived, to how you have been touched by life. And that is the difficulty, but also the beauty of this question, if I may pat myself on the head, you know, that is the gift that I try to deliver to you both on this show and, and in, in my work, you know, to ask the question that can coax you to lift your head up toward the breathtaking, inviting canvas of human life and to ask the question that brings you back to yourself, to your life, back to what you know or back to what you wish to know about your life that you may not have the language, the permission or the companionship, the support to find out. So the question of what makes us human is not abstract or theoretical. To me, it is urgent and specific and very real to reflect on what we are, to grab hold of what we are driven to do in this time that we have so as to take ownership of our gifts and responsibilities towards one another, so as to tend to the wounds and needs that we have with one another. That is a real specific question about our capacity to behold and live out our humanity to the fullest and to take care of one another to the fullest with kindness in tenderness. I have said that in the show. 
on the show. If you're just joining me now and wondering, you know, what I'm babbling about, what, what I'm talking about, you know, kindness and tenderness, please refer back to previous episodes, especially in the beginning when I, I announced my intention, uh, my desire for the show. So, you know, I'm, I was just saying that asking this specific question really does not um, position me to have top ratings. <laughs> Most people want answers, not questions, and certainly not questions that confront them with themselves, not questions that open things up or startle them with an awareness that there is more to question. My, you know, producer, we have this this ritual now. My producer wants me to go inspirational, you know, uh, and go wide on social media. You know, what is your product? What is your brand? She keeps pushing me to articulate that so that she can help me uh, publicize it. I don't have a product. <laughs> My product is is whatever you take from it. My product is um, is me, my voice my longing and questioning toward you. And you know, my product is you. What you access of your own longing and knowing. What you agree to access of life when you finish listening to the show. That is my product. Connection and tenderness. I mean something very specific and and deep and and sort of vulnerable when I say tenderness. And I spoke about this before, as I said, you know, but briefly what I mean by that is, is the, gosh, the willingness to let ourselves be disarmed by the beauty and the needs of the other person, the willingness to, to give in to the impulse to cherish the other person and to do good. And to love well. And as as for my brand, oh dear God, I, I haven't gotten a full understanding of, of this concept of branding. Uh, but I want to say something about the format of the show, you know, which is that I spend one hour talking either by myself or with another person. And I doing this, you know, in an age when, when people only blog, you know, where each blog I notice comes with a, a notice uh, to the reader in the beginning, you know, of, of how many minutes it would take you to read it. Just think about that. You know, the tacit understanding is that to grab someone, you know, what makes something appealing to read is, is the amount of time that you promise them the short amount of time that you promised them uh, they would need to spend on it. The message now is come to me, check out my product because I have the answer and because what I have to say won't take much of your time. Think about that. And here I am spending an hour um, on, I don't know, it it depends on the day. (laughs) I'm not doing it right, I'm I'm told by the network. (laughs) But what happens in this hour is something so precious, you know, that I I fear is being uh, more and more um, lost, and it's it's the process, it's the companionship that we get with one another, okay? And we cannot do that in one or two minutes. We cannot do that in a blog. And moreover, I'm having tremendous pleasure doing it this way. I get to ask my question each week for a whole freaking hour. (laughs) But, you know, most importantly, most surprisingly, I know that I do reach many of you scattered across the U.S., in Canada, in Europe, and and some in Asia. 
my home. I, I thank you for letting me know that I reach you and for affirming my faith in the value of companionship, of asking questions, of taking time, and of issuing the call to be curious about one another. And I thank you for taking the time to hear me out and to listen to my guests. Now, before I, I, I finish this and, and turn the, question, the conversation uh, uh, to my guests today, let me say one thing about my brand. And you tell me what you think. I'm going to try one more time. Uh, my brand, I think, is, is talking and, and connecting. My brand is my ambition the ambition, I think, you know, I'm pretty good at this, to, to, to find and to connect with beautiful, passionate human beings. Well, you know, all human beings, I believe, are beautiful and passionate. If we would just have the courage and the support to show and to live it. If we would just take the time to look and listen and really be with each other, then it will be revealed to us, the beauty, the passion in the other person, in ourselves. So there, that's my brand. I talk to people. <laughs> I talk to people who are interesting and engaged and alive to their humanity. And so um, here I am again today. I'm at it. Uh, my guest today is Jane Hassinger. Uh, she... Um, let me see, she's a, a therapist, a very seasoned therapist and researcher, but also very engaged in community work. Um, uh, Jane has taught for over 25 years in University of Michigan. Uh, she's taught social work, psychology, women's studies, and um, is, is still training people uh, to be psychoanalysts. Um, She's based in Michigan, as I said, but but also has traveled, is traveling all over the world and across communities to uh, facilitate the work and and um, and lives of silenced, marginalized people. You know, as I'm just saying all of this, I I, I find myself being very frustrated because um, what can I say about someone? You know, what is the important thing to say about someone? Um, and I'm thinking, well, you know, just just. I'm going to let you find out who she is. <laughs> Welcome, Jane, to the show. <laughs> well, what, what do you think about this business of introducing people? You know, like, what, what do I say? <laughs> it's a very daunting term, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> why, why don't I just ask you, you know, this, this, this question, I was very, um, very grateful, by the way, that, that you took up my invitation you know, to engage in this question. And we've had a couple of conversations about it, and I know about your work, but my listeners do not know. Um, can I just start with a really hard question? And it may be personal. You know, what makes you human? You have lived and worked and loved. <laughs> Tell me. If you, if you have to, like, distill it, have you thought about what makes you you know, I have thought a lot about that question and um, have, uh, at different stages of my life, uh, felt it important to keep re-asking it because there are so many, so many aspects of living in the world that diminish our sense of humanity and our capacities for reaching out to others. And um, I need to renew my sense of being human all the time. Uh, I suppose what I think makes me most human is my uh, vulnerability and my capacity to respond 
with compassion to others' vulnerability. Um, again, at a time when I think we live in a world that devalues the vulnerable, um, that devalues the kind, the tender. I've really appreciated your use of those terms. Um, and uh, instead uh, promotes a kind of false sense of, uh, of independence and uh, agency. Mm-hmm. Um, we lose the sense that we are, we are only as strong as we are connected to others um, mm-hmm. in, our, in our vulnerability, in our strengths, um, in our hope and in our needs. So all of those things are the things I think of when, I, when you ask me a question about what makes me and others human. Mm-hmm. I want to go back. Can you tell more? I, I was struck when you said, you know, in the world these days, so much um, conspires, right, to diminish our capacity to be human. What, um, in your work and your travels or personal life, what do you think is the thing that diminishes it? What what are we up against? Well, I'll, I'll use the example of uh, my the project I've been involved in for the last 11 or 12 years um, as a case in point. Um, your listeners don't know, but I, I work with teams of abortion providers around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people who are everywhere around the world challenged by what we simply refer to as abortion stigma. But as I unpack that concept of abortion stigma, what I really find is a kind of disrespect for women um, that borders on a kind of hatred, maybe what, what we mean when we use the word, the term misogyny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and persistently and consistently uh, makes their lives difficult by refusing to to offer them choice over their own lives and the direction of their own lives, particularly over the control of their reproductive lives. Um, I think that that's an example of a kind of defilement of half of humanity that represents our vulnerability, our needs, our, our need to connect with one another, um, our need to support one another, and our, our deep and awesome responsibility for, for protecting life. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many ironies in the work of abortion provision, because part of uh, what happens when uh, we fall prey to the, the messages that stigmatize abortion is the idea that abortion is killing, only, right. only killing. My mm-hmm. experience... Uh, with abortion providers around the world is that these uh, abortion is often life-affirming and abortion often saves lives. And abortion often protects uh, the lives of the children that so many women, the many, many women, like, let's say 36 to 40 out of 1,000 women um, every year who have abortion, it protects the families and children they already have. So I, I see these workers as incredibly courageous, tender, kind-hearted, um, and resilient protectors of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about um, providers in Africa, in Asia, in countries that where they may not have the systemic support, right, to do their work. They don't have 
They don't have systemic support. In fact, most of these countries around the world, abortion is either illegal or, or significantly restricted. Now, increasingly, I have to say that includes the United States. Uh, we're not different. We're not exemplary. We face the same challenges here that others around the, around the globe face. Mm-hmm. And yet these workers, these providers, find ways um, and find support for consistently and persistently providing safe, uh, safe service to, to the women they serve, often, often against uh, real significant pressures in their lives. In some countries uh, where, where my project um, operates, uh, abortion providers are uh, threatened with, uh, with prison. Um, should it be uh, should should it be uncovered that they're providing abortion? <clears throat> In some countries, women who seek abortion are are themselves um, criminalized. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they're working. Yes, they don't have infrastructure support. Often they have they work against incredible incredible resistance in the cultures. Mm-hmm. Right. And the stigma, the, the, the official um, kind of narrative is that they are destroying life, therefore need to be criminalized and reined in. But mm-hmm. what I hear mm-hmm. in what you're saying is that embedded in that is an incredibly textured um, approach to a definition of what a human life is, right, that, that, that you yeah, hear and you I- see in these providers. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just to provide a little context, unsafe abortion is accountable for close to 30% of maternal mortality in many parts of the world. That means women are dying at a startling rate um, because of the consequences of unsafe abortions, which many women seek out of fear or out of a preference for um, seeking treatment from from indigenous healers um, of various sorts. Women are, women are dying. Uh, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that safe abortion saves lives for, for simply that reason. But we have to ask our, uh, a question about why, we would, why in the world we would prefer that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, why we yeah. would so focus on the fact that, yes, abortion is stopping a beating heart, is killing in a sense, but, but also... We could imagine that, and we know that abortion is also opening the pathway for women to live, to take care of the children they already have, to make, to make thoughtful and uh, mature decisions about when and if to become parents so that they can mm-hmm. take good care of those children. I mean, those, well, why would we prefer the banning of, of abortion um, mm-hmm. to... Yeah supporting women taking care of themselves and taking care of their families. I think we need to go into that question very deeply, psychologically. Well, um, I would like to take a stab at it, but let me just uh, take a break now because we are, you know, uh, tied to the the clock of the commercial break. So uh, let's take a two-minute break and um, we'll resume. We'll be right back, folks. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world, across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, before we broke, my guest Jane Hassinger asked uh, a very deep question that is both psychological and political as well as, as ethical. You know, the question of why do we uh, prefer to ban abortion and criminalize people uh, for that decision uh, as opposed to uh, devoting our resources and support uh, towards the project of protecting uh, and cultivating life. It's, it's a really good question, you know, and to me the question is the same league, Jane, as a question, for example, of why do we uh, pour our money into building, you know, prisons, right, <laughs> all across the nation while the schools mm-hmm. are falling apart? Um, why do, uh, why are CEOs paid? I asked this question, you know, a while back um, before the summer came, uh, the school year ended. Why are CEOs pay, you know, $100 million and the average school teacher is paid, Sixty-five thousand a year. Um, so that the many kind of obscene questions, uh, urgent but obscene questions. So this is another one. But before engaging in that, or rather than engaging in that question head on, um, I, I want to, to talk more about this other question, which is, let me just backtrack and say this. So basically, you know, women all over the world seek abortions. 
across ages, right. cultures, socioeconomic, uh, you know, situations and, and, and family configurations, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that we all, it's a decision that many, many women and men, you know, together with women make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what is that decision about? And you alluded to that, and I want to pull that out and, 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 and talk about that. You were saying that in that decision, is uh, is a very deep commitment in a way to a certain definition mm-hmm. of what it takes to give life, to make a life, to cultivate and protect and tend to a life, right? So, yeah. right? And that is at the core of this whole abortion thing, the, the, diff- the differing definitions of what a human life means, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So what I want, rather than having a debate about, you know, what is life and when does life begin and so on, I am so mm-hmm. curious mm-hmm. Um, in, in your insights, uh, because you've spoken to, 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 to women across cultures, about the definition of personhood, you know, what of, of what of what a life means, you know, in Africa, in Asia, or in these abortion providers or in their clients. You, you've you talked to many of them. So can you say, what do you observe? Is there a threat or are there uh, differences in how people conceive of it? You know, I find that there are incredible similarities everywhere I go with how people think about this issue, particularly how women think about this issue. And everyone I talk to uh, women who seek abortion, uh, providers who uh, who provide abortion, talk about personhood as something that develops in an interdependent fashion, that we evolve and grow as human beings only in connection to one another. Hmm. And that means we are, as I said, interdependent, that we attend to one another's vulnerabilities, that we are, we are a ultimately responsible for one another. Now, we mm-hmm. live in a time when the politics of our era uh, promotes the, the exact opposite, a kind of false front, false independence, the illusion of independence. And I mm-hmm. think that that, that, uh, that tendency that is so, uh, so common in our neoliberal age um, is played out in abortion politics. For example, mm. the the so-called revering of the fetus, the, the the personifying of the fetus, as though that fetus is somehow separate from the mother. The mother is erased in this um, in this representation. There's no mother there. There's a fetus that represents life um, in uh, the rhetoric of the anti-abortion uh, activists. That fetus is somehow used as a a stand-in, as a way to at once uh, promote uh, care and concern for for children, for babies, or for infants, at the same time uh, reviling uh, real real dependency, real vulnerable people, real human beings, and the real mother that carries that fetus. If you notice in the uh, in a lot of the visual representations um, of that 
the anti-abortion movement uses, they, there are images of the fetuses, so floating in space, independent of the mother. The mother is nowhere in sight. And so mm-hmm. that somehow is possible, you know, a, a kind of independent life, a fetus, uh, as a stand-in for a human being. Mm-hmm. But that's not mm-hmm. a human being. It's mm-hmm. the potential for a human being, but only, only that potential can develop in relation to the caregivers around that child once born. Right. And right. I, think it's, I think it's with that in mind that women make that decision, either to have that child or to not have that child. They know that that child can only develop to be human um, in the world if they can be well cared for. Um, throughout their childhood. Human beings have a long gestational process. We, we are born exceedingly vulnerable, almost more than any other creature in the world. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the, the, the average, you're talking about the gestational period of, what, 60 years? <laughs> yeah, yes, right? Years, right. I, in my estimation, that's how long it takes to be a full person. <laughs> I, well, I agree. I really agree. So this issue of personifying and the personification of the fetus is very, very troubling to me because I think what it does is it stands in and it erases the fact of how, um, how dehumanizing many of our practices are, how, mu- how much we marginalize uh, needy and vulnerable people, and women are certainly, uh, certainly in that group in, uh, in, in most parts of the world. Uh, it allows us an opportunity to deny the violence, the hatred, the um, the abandonment, really, of of the needy and vulnerable amongst us, and also to deny our own vulnerability, our own neediness, and our own capacities for identification uh, with those parts of being human. Yeah. Well. Again, I hear in what you're saying, uh, you, I want to make it explicit, it, you know, this thing about leaving, denying the connection, the dependency that the, the baby has with the mother, you know, taking the mother out of the picture. Um, mm-hmm. And in turn, when you don't acknowledge the mother and, and what she has to do for the baby, you also don't acknowledge what and whom the mother, that woman, that being, that citizen depends on in turn, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So you're saying that Absolutely. there's a whole network where literally it takes a village to raise a child. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, takes, it takes a whole community to survive to, as, as, as a human being. But you are saying that now there is this, this delusion or this conspiracy, right, to deny all of that, our interdependent connections to each other. And I think that in doing so, society gets to deny its responsibility, right, to provide and to protect. Absolutely, and- and our our mutual uh, responsibility for one another. I just I want to tell you a story I heard when I was in um, oh I don't know about ten years ago in, in Ghana, and I was working on a different project and not on a, uh, specifically on abortion when I was there. But I asked I asked a lot of people to talk to me about abortion. I couldn't find anybody who would talk to me about abortion. It was so so stigmatized 
um, and people were so uh, anxious about talking, frankly, about abortion. But I finally found someone who would talk to me, and she said, look, I want to sh- give you an illustration of why you're finding it hard to find uh, people who will talk to you. She took me to a cemetery outside of Accra, Ghana, in West Africa, and then walked, we walked through the cemetery, and way, way to the back of it, into a corner of the cemetery, and she pointed to a small gate, and we went through the gate, and what, there was another, was another part of the cemetery with very simple graves, and she said, this is a separate part of the cemetery, way in the back. This is where women who've never had children are buried. Oh. The message here was that, and then she added, women are not fully human in the eyes of their communities if they don't have children. Oh, my God. I did not know that. Oh, my God. Uh she She made the point that women's humanity is defined by having children and having children only. And that stigma is so great about this that these women are separated from their communities, even in death. Mm. This devaluing Mm. of women and their choices of only defining women by by whether or not they they bear children um, is is an attitude that is deep in our psychologies around the world. Mm -hmm. In some very real way, I think we have uh, we are we are appalled by women who choose not to have children, whether by never becoming pregnant or by deciding to have an abortion if they do. We have that little regard and respect for women's agency and women's uh, choices and abilities to control their own reproductive lives. I think that's, that's an important thing to bear in mind, that the, the, the contempt for the feminine, the contempt for women and their freedom and the real deep anxiety about women and their freedoms underlies much of um, what I was talking about earlier in terms of abortion stigma. Mm-hmm. It also extends, although it's not talked about much, but I noticed that that contempt or inattention you know, to the full humanity of the being, that extends to children too. Yes, it does. You know, for example, in how, at least in, 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 in the United States of America, how we approach early childhood education or education period, you know, how yeah. we think about mm-hmm. what a child needs, how we think about mm-hmm. children, right? And I think that there is something, even though, you know, children are really, um, in a way, revered, <laughs> Not revered, not revered. I'm mm-hmm. very much uh, prized in this culture. Uh, mm-hmm. There is something very kind of uh, simplistic and 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 and, and dehumanizing. I, I I see in how we mm-hmm. approach uh, uh, children. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is it is something about you know the the vulnerable uh, among us or the vulnerable in yeah. us that is scary. That's what you're saying. Very scary. I think it touches on deep annihilation anxieties. You know, your point, too, about children being, being prized, uh, I just wanted to extend that thought a little bit. I think, you know, all too often children are prized as possessions. Mm-hmm. They're not prized as, as, as separate human, growing human beings. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and as possessions, we can indulge in the fantasy of control and uh, that we have control, that we can somehow uh, organize our lives uh, in, in an idealized way through our control of our children. Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a kind of problematic kind of prizing, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, at a very simple level, well, I'm just thinking, you was talking about, you know, what underlies the decision to uh, to have an abortion. Likewise, you know, what underlies, what is at the core of the decision to have a child? Oh yeah, <laughs> right. right. What what is it mm-hmm. about? You know, the, in 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 our culture, in our country, in our overdeveloped, you know, uh, culture, it, it's not about you know labor and toiling the tilling the field or uh, anyway. So it's um, it's, it's a separate question. I don't know. Should should we get into into how no. we treat children? Well, Do you have I some thoughts on that? An important question. I think it because that is the pivot point for women who who opt to have an abortion is they have to be able to imagine um, that they also want they might want to have that child and those women by the way many women who have abortions already have children so they yes. know what it is to have children to care for them to invest in them and deeply want them uh, most women also. Uh, who opt to have abortions, um, ha- uh, you know, do so based on really, really a difficult decision making about what children need, not uh-huh. not just about what they need, but what children need. So this is, uh, you know, this is not a, a rejection of children, the decision yeah. to have an abortion um, by yeah. by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that the um, the decision to have a child. Um, we're, I think we, we all have a deep, deep need to, to, to believe in the ongoingness of life in spite of many, many threats, in spite of much evidence that life is threatened, let's say particularly now when you look at, at uh, the effects of climate change, when you look at the conflicts um, that are so threatening in the world at the moment. There are many, many challenges to that sense of ongoingness of life, but we have to invest in it. Winnicott talks about a sense of uh, going on being, and that being critical to uh, the developing uh, psyches of, of the child. But I think it's critical for all of us. And the decision to have a child very much reflects that investment, that life will, must go on and that we, want, and that we contribute to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This is a very good place for our second commercial break. So let's do that and we'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? 
Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world, across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Hello again, everyone. Uh, We're heading into the final segment of the hour. And during the break, I was thinking about uh, what Jane, my guest, was uh, enunciating, you know, as um, the, 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 the belief, the need to believe that life goes on, that there is something beyond um, and in the future, and how that belief underlies um, the decision to have a child. Um, But Jane, you also said about the women that you have um, encountered uh, who decide to have an abortion, you said something about um, they question whether they they want the child to be deeply loved. And I was very moved by that. Um, and I, I, I want to highlight that because you just said it so quickly. <laughs> and there's so much emphasis uh-huh. on, you know, the, the ability to provide for the child and so on and so forth. But this notion of, um, and it, it just so, it touches something in me, you know, the notion, the ethical decision, reflection on whether and how we can deeply love another being and how that underlies, you know, this act that many criminalize. Um, for me, you know, Jane, I, I know you have children and recently, you know, two new grandchildren. <laughs> that, that, congratulations, yes, just, by the I way. Just, thank you. I just returned from um, 
several weeks of being with my daughter and husband and her her new twin daughters. Cora uh-huh. and, and I Ruby. hope they hope and, they are they're and well and thriving. They are well and thriving. But what yeah. a, what an experience of kind of being in that world of of letting these children come into your hearts and minds and mm-hmm. uh, devoting yourself to their their unfolding. <laughs> I felt very yeah. strongly that my my job then was to support my daughter and and her husband Alex in in protecting those children and having the the strength and resilience to to uh, give them what they what they need. As yeah. your point about it takes a village, it takes circles of care, circles right. and circles of care to to uh, support new life. Mm-hmm. Or any life, you know. For for me, I I I decided I had children late in life, and um, really the crucial factor for me was uh, when I finally, finally uh, was able to uh, to trust a little bit in my capacity, you know, to do good, to love another mm-hmm. person, uh, not you know my bank mm-hmm. account or the maternity leave that I would accumulate, you know. Right. Um, but right. but so this this thing about loving another um, and I want to circle back uh, to what you said in the beginning of the hour about your own vulnerability um, mm-hmm. what in your view what, what would you say it, it, well, you know it's, it's, it's deceptively simple to love another person um, mm-hmm. in your experience as either as a therapist or, 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 or a mother um, what does it take does it take it's vulnerability that, or strength? It, it takes, I think, the strength to surrender to one's vulnerability, to accept it, to accept it in another, and to accept it in, in oneself. There's a paradox there. It takes great strength, and it, and it also takes great vulnerability. And, uh, you know, that, that's what it takes to, to love. That and also the, uh, you know, the, the willingness in that surrender to also see that the, the, the child is another person, not only an extension of oneself, but another real person who will be uh, very similar, but also very different. And that we need to open our, our hearts, the space for accepting that, that difference as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but why yeah, is it, a, you know, a, and, and what hmm? what you describe can apply to, for example, a, a grown-up to romantic love. It can, it does. Mm-hmm. Right? The Absolutely. ability and, and willingness to, to see the other person's vulnerability and to see the other person in his or her differentness. Um, and and mm-hmm. try to connect with that in spite of the differences. So, it, it just it's not just just to 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 a child. But again, you know, why do you think if we frame if we define loving in that way, um, mm-hmm. would you agree that for the most part we often fail miserably? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, over, right? over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, what has always drawn me, compelled me in my career is to look deeply into those 
failures, <laughs> into those ruptures. Um, you know, the, the, when I told the story about women who, um, the, the graves, those women who were um, in, buried in a separate part of the cemetery in Ghana, I was thinking about our, our failure to love those people, love those women who don't conform to a stereotype or to an expect, cultural expectation we have of who, who they should be, as opposed to love them for who they are in all of their complexity. That is, that is what allows people to be fully human. And when we can't do that, when we restrict people, when we have uh, rigid gender codes, for example, um, that govern people's lives, we're restricting their humanity. We're not loving. We're not loving them. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I want to ask you, though, why do you think we fail? Why is it so difficult? Well, I think your point earlier about vulnerability comes, comes to explaining it. I think the, the terror that uh, we are capable of feeling about, uh, about loss, about vulnerability, about our own uh, confusion uh, in, in life is often motivating to, to turn away from the vulnerable, to turn away from our own needs and dependencies um, mm-hmm. in favor of a kind of illusory independence um, mm-hmm. that's te- that tends to be represented in a masculine ideal. Um, we fail. We fail there by by failing to challenge those binaries, by failing to find and and accept the vulnerability in each one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah. fail over and over again. And again, we're we're in a time in history in our country where we have an extreme and grotesque, um, almost caricature of a kind of masculine uh, strongman power that uh, that people uh, people are clamoring. Uh, for um, that's extremely destructive, but I think ultimately motivated by terror. Yeah, right. And that's fear. another paradox, mm-hmm. right? As the more developed, I, I put it in big quotation mark, the more do we, we are developed, the more we have the means and access to technology, to the ways of controlling life, nature, the world, yeah. um, the, the more alienated we are uh, from our humanness, and that makes it even more terrifying to confront, right, the, 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 the mm-hmm. fact that yeah. we do not have control over life, um, that we all dying, mm-hmm. uh, that, that as, as, you know, as, as soon as, as long as there's another human being in front of us, there are mysteries and surprises <laughs> and uncontrollable things. Yes. And it can be good and bad, yes. but it's mostly terrifying. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. One of the things that has been so uh, gratifying for me and so, so astonishing also as I've worked with um, abortion providers for all these years is how incredibly um, educated and astute these people are because they encounter women at such an incredibly powerful moment in their lives. They have a vision into the, the real burdens, the real challenges, the real uh, issues that govern these women's lives. They see these women in all of their complexity, and they do so with such incredible compassion 
and, mm-hmm. and real joy. Um, it, it's, again, a, a paradox, perhaps, because they're providing, as I said, they're participating in stopping the beating heart, but they're also participating in, in, in freeing women, in, in ensuring that women will be able to take care of the children they have and be able to take care of themselves. And there's great joy and great satisfaction in that work. It's incredibly powerful. It's why I can say that safe, ensuring that we have safe abortion around the world is an investment in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but speaking about joy, you know, and, and you said it's a paradox that these women, these, these providers... Um, can experience so much joy. I, I, I do want to state, uh, at the risk of being obvious, that we are talking about how difficult it is to love another person, you know, how we fail at loving and connecting to another person. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, you've just said that if we, if and when we can do that, it is addictive. <laughs> it is incredibly <laughs> amazing, Right. I mean, we cannot live without each other, you know, that's that's like the the kicker of a human nature. I mean, we fail uh, each other, but when we do it well, the few miraculous moments when we do it well, oh my God, and that's why I do the work that I do, that's why I hang out with children. (laughs) Is it just a high? (laughs) um, It is a high. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's an inspiration that, uh, like no other. Again, speaking of going on being a great, it's greatly affirming of the of the incredible power of life, uh, and to the incredible power of people coming together with each other to care for one another. Yes, yes. Uh, we, I literally just have one or two minutes uh, left, so. What what can I say? I, I you know I hope you listeners out there that you um, accept um, the the message that Jane and I have been trading with each other, which is that there is nothing better than people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a big headache, it's a big challenge, but my gosh, if we can make it our business, our project, you know, to, to love ourselves and to love each other, I promise you it's, it's the biggest reward, the biggest high um, ever. And, and I guess that's why Jane and I do what, what we do. We're very, very fortunate um, to, to do the work that we do because every day we get to connect uh, with people. And um, my bonus, though, today was was to connect with you, Jane. So I am I'm oh, very, very you. grateful <laughs> for the time that we had uh, with each other. Um, so I wish you good health and a lot of joy uh, with your grandchildren. And to you, too. Yes. And to you, and, too. I'm also grateful. I so much appreciate it. Yes. And to you out there, I will find you again uh, next week. And um, take care. Until then, be well-loved, everyone. Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.